Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Halo, halo there, ladies and gentlemen. Do you like sand? Well, I freaking love it, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, where we talk all things Halo and get into some extra variety hour stuff, this time specifically with Oddball, where we talk about things outside of the Halo universe. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, your co-host, DJ Jovial Joshua Hargis, and joining me, as always, is my buddy, my pal. I can't slow down. It's Brian's Bane. Brian, what the heck is up, buddy? That was an amazing intro. I want to give a round of applause, everybody, for a while. Like, that was all in one take. Good, good, good there. Guys, we're going to talk about Attack of the Clones today, and I'm going to kick it off right away, Josh, and say, you know what perplexes me about Attack of the Clones? What perplexes you about Attack of the Clones, Brian? Okay, so if you were to ask me, what is the worst Star Wars film? Here's where I... <laughs> what a way to start it, right? This is this is what perplexes me. Damn. If you, were, if you were to ask me what is the worst Star Wars film, it comes down to one or two answers. It's either Attack of the Clones or Rise of Skywalker. Now here's my problem. I don't know if you tell me if you agree, Josh. I think Rise of Skywalker has better acting. I think it has better visuals. I think it, it it's better filmmaking quality. The cinematography and acting of Rise of Skywalker is better. And I actually think as far as just natural fun entertainment value goes, I also enjoy Rise of Skywalker more. But Rise of Skywalker is as like is the is the Star Wars film with like the least integrity and just a bunch of weird retconning Reddit type awful lore that just that just hurts the the whole entire series. Where Attack of the Clones, I feel like Attack of the Clones has kind of weak acting, kind of weak cinematography, but a very important Star Wars story and great lore. So. It's just tough for me, man, because like I can, I'll get so much more enjoyment out of just sitting down on a whim and watching Rise of Skywalker because it's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. I'm just so upset by what the the choices that movie made. So it's like Attack of the Clones is kind of better in some ways. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Uh, I love Attack of the Clones. I I actually think it has great cinematography. I think it has some of the okay. best in the saga. Actually, even I'd say even over. Um, I, I think it has the best cinematography of the prequels for sure. But uh, they all have good cinematography. I mean, any Star Wars movie does, but. Um, the acting is is uh, leaves something to be desired because <clears throat> because of the dialogue. I, you know, at this point in time, Rise of Skywalker is. We'll see as we're getting through this now, but Rise of Skywalker is probably my least favorite. Attack of the Clone. No, Attack of the Clones is definitely in the bottom tier, guys. If there is a sort of gold, silver, and bronze tier, Attack of the Clones would be at like the top of the bronze tier for me. Like I think. I don't know. I think I like it more than Solo, even, and I love Solo. I think Solo is a better film in a lot of ways, but I also think Attack is still good. 
it's just weird for me. This was the only Star Wars film um, outside of the originals, because since I was born in 88, uh, this is the only Star Wars film I had not gone to see in theaters. It was a weird point in my life because when Phantom Menace came out, I'm going to ramble a few minutes, so cut it at any point. When After Phantom Menace came out, I was enamored. A new era of Star Wars was born, and my mind was running wild with thoughts of what you know is going to come next. And I remember going to the Force.net. I was frequenting that like as much as possible. I'd go over to my dad's, I'd get on the internet, and I would be printing off the sort of casting announcements they have, and the sort of like rumored little sentence, one-off sentences about who this character is going to be. I remember Ellen Slezabango or whatever he's pronounced. The guy who was like, "Yeah, you want to buy some desktops?" Uh, that guy. Had- I don't want to buy any desktops. Yeah, uh, I want to go home and rethink my life. I, I just remember like reading that stuff, and, and it would do so much for my theater of the mind experience of like, wow, this seems like this movie's doing everything. And I did that for about two years, and just constantly rotating that kind of cycle. And after a while, I mean, things changed a bit for me, because look, in 2000, you had X-Men come out, and suddenly my love of what was initially just a cartoon show became a full-blown interest in a phantom. And then you had, like in 2002, Spider-Man took off. And, you know, and there's all these other things. Like I was getting into wrestling um, and all this other stuff. So it got to, uh, Star Wars was like my driving force. And for a long time, it was like what kept the machine running for me in terms of enthusiasm. But suddenly all this other stuff was coming out and I was learning of all these new things I was interested in. The biggest one, which we'll we'll get to uh, after the Star Wars stuff is done, is Lord of the Rings. When I saw Fellowship of the Ring in, in theaters, and just to give a quick example, I used to hate medieval stuff. I didn't understand. I went to medieval times as a kid. I didn't understand why this stuff was so entertaining or fun or just medieval fantasy, whatever. It didn't appeal to me. I see Lord of the Rings in theaters, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm I'm here. I'm here." So I had all these different things around that time. Once I got to like 2000, 2001 ish, I started to teeter off star Wars and I got like fatigued because I, you know, you can only keep that hype going for so long before you kind of need something new to inject some fuel into it. But I had all these other things pulling me away. And by the time attack of the clones was coming to theaters, I just, it wasn't there. I wasn't there. I remember seeing the MTV um, movie premiere of it on television. And I, and for a moment for that day, I was like, I want to, I want to see it. And then instantly like overnight it was gone. And uh, but then when I saw it on DVD when it finally came out, it was like my favorite Star Wars movie, and I watched it relentlessly. It wasn't until I got older that uh, I started to realize the flaws in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, what makes Attack of the Clones? If you can really pinpoint it down to one thing, what makes it so? What makes it more of a slog compared to other Star Wars movies for you to rewatch? Well, to kind of tie on what I said before, I think, so, for everyone listening, if you're a Star Wars fan, the thing is, when you're a Star Wars, if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, or, or, or some level of a deep Star Wars fan, you think a lot about the lore. You think a lot about how everything ties into each other. You think about the universe as a whole. And when you do that, you see the film differently than if you were just looking at it as, like, a regular film. You know what I mean? So, like, like if you just if you just go see um, what's a good movie that's just random like a one off good movie um, Drive. If you go see Drive, you know it's either a good film or it's not. You either liked it or you didn't. Open and shut, right? Yeah. Well, with Star Wars, Star Wars is such such a huge universe with all this lore that 
a lot of times it comes down to how you feel about it as a part of the greater story or as the lore. So like the movie could be bad, but you could love it because of the lore or the movie could be good, but you might not like it because of the lore, you know? So like if we're just viewing, try to remove like Star Wars fandom and like knowing the lore and all that stuff, try to remove that for a second. If you just think about a movie as entertainment value, for me personally, so much of Attack of the Clones doesn't offer the entertainment value. That's why it's a problem for me. It's not that it's the lore. It's not that it's in the characters per se. It's just as a film, removing itself from the universe of Star Wars as a film, it's just kind of not that entertaining to me, you know? And I, I was going to ask you if you wanted to start with the bad or start with the good, but I think we'll just start with the bad. You can do the bad and go into um, the good. Like when I think about Attack of the Clones, so like see the whole entire segment – where they're chasing down at the very beginning. Well, so, okay, actually, let me back up. When they come up the elevator and they talk to Padme, it's kind of cringy between him and, and Obi-Wan. Oh, it's super creepy. The, yep. the worst. He's Anakin's such a creep in that film. Yeah, and, and, and Obi-Wan's just like, you know, you should do this. And Anakin's like, no, why should I? And Obi-Wan's like, what the fuck? What? She's like, right now you want to do this shit? Yeah, right in front of Padme? Okay, so, like, that's cringy. And then um, the, the whole set chase segment with the bounty chick that they end up. Oh, Zam Wessel. Yeah. I don't like I don't like that at all. I, I went for like a Blade Runner vibe, but I just didn't feel like it worked, so I didn't like that. As far as far as entertainment goes, I didn't care for that. I didn't care for any of the romance stuff with Padme and and Anakin away on the island. I'm okay. I'm okay with like um, them visiting the the Lars homestead and the him killing everyone that hurt his mother. Um, I'm okay. Wow. With, <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, they killed his mom. I just I mean, love how that sounds in context. It makes sense. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them, like, with Padme and Annika, Anakin in the arena at the end, where they're, like, prisoners. It's just the whole the whole love part where they're talking and all that. Not a huge fan of that. Um, the whole um, CG sequence with C-3PO in the factory, I, I don't <laughs> like that at all. Dude, Oz um, on Blue Harvest hates that. Uh, hates it. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Um, so uh, I don't so mind it, but I understand it. I think I think what I just described was roughly fifty percent of the film is what well, I don't find entertaining. Let's, see, let's let's talk about a couple of these aspects. For one, Anakin is a super creep in this movie, and it sucks because you're supposed to like you're supposed he's the character you're supposed to get behind. He's the protagonist, and it is so weird. My my the biggest where I realize I have an issue with the movie. Yeah, I love this movie to be to be clear, guys. Uh. I love it more than I dislike it. I, I freaking love this movie, but we'll get into that. I love it because it's Star Wars. I don't love it individually. Well, I mean, I still love it at the same time for what it is. But where I have my issue, out of the issues I have for the films, where it kicks off, is the moment right before they're about to meet Padme. And Anakin and Obi-Wan are in the elevator. And they're supposed to having... There's this dialogue that's supposed to sort of exude Symbolize the their friendship. friendship. And you're supposed to get the idea that even though there's been this 10-year gap... And this is a completely different actor playing a now older Anakin that these two have been through things together and they're, they're, they're buddies. And it is it comes off so fake. Like when I see Obi-Wan laughing and he's like, I rescued you from the neck of Gundux, remember? You know, or something like that. And it's just, ugh, I just cringe. And I'm like, come on, I don't believe this because it feels like you're, you're trying to tell me these two are friends rather than let them just be friends. And then we get to, to the Padme thing, like you said. And she's like, uh, you know, I haven't seen you in so long or whatever. And he's like, you know, you. Well, no, she she's like, my goodness, you've grown. And he's like, so have you grown more beautiful, I mean. And then, and then she's senator, like, I mean. And then she's like, you know, you're still the same. You're still the same old Annie. And he's like, I she doesn't realize how much I've grown. I have a huge. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so package and then, like, now. And then later on, after the conversation's over, he turns to Jar Jar and he's like, "She, she barely even recognized me, Jar Jar." And, you know, and it's just like, oh my god! In in that whole sequence, like Brian was saying, they just make you not like Anakin. Like I'm not saying my dad, my dad, when we're when we're watching these movies, he's like, "Is we're about to start Attack of the Clones?" He's like, "Are these the ones with Anakin, like older Anakin?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, this is this one takes place ten years after, and he's like, "I hate him, I hate him." And I'm like, "Dad, why?" <laughs> I'm so offended, but he's like, he just he complains all the time. That's all he does. He just complains and he whines. And I'm like, I can't argue with him. Revenge of the Sith is such a better Anakin, but in this one, he's so whiny. And then he picks that moment in front of Padme to squabble because, and that's the thing. That's another thing too. Um, this has no bearing on bad or good. Obi-Wan is a pretentious, condescending asshole in this movie. He constantly talks down to Anakin. I'm not defending Anakin. He probably is sick of Anakin's shit. He, he probably is, but he is so condescending. Like, he'll say something like, your powers are not attuned as mine are, you know? And then other times, in <laughs> <laughs> other times, like when they're outside uh, after the Zam Wessel chase and they're outside the, the cantina, the restaurant, um... He's like saying all this stuff, and Anakin's like, "Yes, master. Yes, master. Yes, master. Yes, master." And then, and, and then as they're walking in, Obi Wan's like, "Why do I feel like you'll be the death of me?" Fucking thanks, man. And at the same time, maybe I don't know. Talk to him differently. <laughs> like, do you not realize how you're coming off? He's just and and then when they're later on in the arena, and Anakin's like, "We came here to rescue you," and then Obi Wan looks up at the change and he looks back at him and he goes, "Good job." You little punk ass. Like, you did a shitty job. I you hate know? when he does that. Yeah, it's just like, damn, there's no, like... These guys, honestly, they feel more like father and son that don't get along rather than best friends. And I see, I, we see the best friend aspect, I think, really... Revenge does a great job. Revenge does a well... That's what I was going to say. Revenge, revenge, revenge exudes that. Attack struggles with trying to even figure out what these two are. Um, and... I mean, you'll probably have a lot to say on this, but I feel like this, if you feel differently, that's fine. I feel like this one in particular is the movie that just really went all in on the CGI. Yeah. Like, all It looks in. like a PS2 video game nowadays. It does in a lot of scenes, unfortunately. Like, mainly, like, with the clones, the big wide shots of the clones. Yeah, why? It was such a weird thing. Like, I remember when I first saw them at the end of the movie, and they're, like, all CGI, and I'm like... Why not get people why? in costumes? It's yeah, not that hard for you have the money. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? It, it was a weird time. George just seemed like, I don't know. That was around the time, really. You look at like the Matrix movies that were coming out, and just all these other action movies and stuff. Green screen was suddenly special effects just weren't enough anymore. Suddenly, green screen was all the rage, where you could have actor actors, you know, around a green screen and then digitally insert them anywhere, you know, beyond your imagination. And that was like the entire movie. And there were scenes like throughout where you can tell they are these, there's these extra stand-ins and they would be looking at something like when Anakin is about to go into the cantina and, but he crash lands you know, from his, uh, from his speeder, everyone looks at him, but they're like looking in different directions. They're they're where their, their perception is off and you can just tell it's like, no one knew what the hell they were doing with this stuff. He's taking people from basically like different times he were filmed them, putting them all in the same scene together and trying to get them to look in the same direction and it just doesn't work. It's so strange. Well, I think I mean I think 
obviously filmmaking is a massive endeavor, and since he had the full rights to Star Wars, and he he had been through oh, it's his so movie much, by all means. So he'd something been through so it. much turmoil before. He probably wanted to take it easy, you know. And I'm not. And even with all the CG he used, it was still a monumental task. But it was easier than if he had been like on location constantly and props and people. You if know? we can if we can pull it back a little bit, Brian, where were you when you? first saw this like I can't I, I'm sorry because you said it in the last episode but when you saw episode one was this like out yet or did you I, I can't remember I'd, okay. have, I'd just be making it up if I guess but I, I think the first time I saw Attack of the Clones was on television okay what did you think then was there ever a point where you really liked it or enjoyed it or no. was just like <laughs> Brian's making a stink face <laughs> not really well because it's like and I was just telling a friend this yesterday like the, the thing the thing I'm, I've said to you guys before is like um I grew up with Star Wars, the originals, before the prequels, all this stuff. You know, Star Wars has been in my life my entire life, and I've always liked it, but I've never loved it until the sequel trilogy. So, yeah, I, you know, that that's why my opinions are so weird or seem like hot takes to people, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm an oddball out. Like, you know, mo- most of the people that are going to say the sequels are their favorite are the kids that haven't grown up yet and got a Twitter account. You know, they're the ones that are going to saying that, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but then there's me, who's 28, you know, and, I, and I'm saying it's my favorite. I'm such, a, I'm such an odd one out because I just don't, like, I have an attachment to childhood Star Wars in the vein that Star Wars was there during my childhood and therefore it means something to me and I'm nostalgic for it. But it was never my favorite property. It was either, you know, kid stuff like Toy Story or even when it became more adult stuff in my teenage years, it was like Lord of the Rings or... Um, uh, I mean, I don't even—I can't even think of other movies off the top of my head. But it was just—it was never Star Wars. Star Wars was just always kind of like something I liked, but was never obsessed with. It was just there. Yeah. So um, yeah. So for Attack of the Clones, it was like, oh, you know, another Star Wars movie, and then it didn't really resonate with me. Now, I'll save most of this for the next episode with Revenge of the Sith. But like, by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, you know, and I was a little older, and Revenge of the Sith came out, I would have been—was that what year was that, Josh? Two thousand five. Uh, yes. So I would have been, I was 13 and I was really excited to see how the story concluded and how Anakin became Darth Vader. So I was, I was genuinely pumped in advance for Revenge of the Sith and saw it at opening, not not opening night, it was opening weekend or week or whatever. Mm -hmm. So by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, I had more invested, but like Phantom Menace, I just thought was, you know, I liked it. And then Attack of the Clones, I was like, eh. A step back almost. Yeah. Yeah, it was more like, eh. I get it because, I mean, the hardest thing about this movie where it, you can, you feel like that love theme that that John Williams has is perhaps the best piece, uh, I think, in all of Star Wars. You know, it's a hot take, but I just mean, what I mean by that is like, I think it's, it's debatable, but it definitely needs to stand among the top ones. It's just so. It's so encompassing of a love of a galaxy expanding love, and you watch this develop, knowing that it's gonna tear these two. They're gonna tear the galaxy asunder basically because of their love, but in its execution, it shits the bed because the dialogue is just so bad. But it has some good moments, and I think of a specific moment when they're by the fireplace, and he talks to her about how we could. He's like, we could do it. We could keep it secret. And she's like, could you do that, Anakin? I couldn't do that. Could you keep it secret? I mean, he's like, no. He's like, it would tear us. It would tear us apart. And it's that film has so much subtle foreshadowing in it like that. That's brilliant because that's exactly what fucking happens. Well, this kind of ties me back to my first point is like if you if you had given this exact story in Attack of the Clones, the quality of actor performance 
and the things that are going on in Rise of Skywalker, like that level of, of, of writing. Okay, let me back it up for a minute. Obviously, the writing in Rise of Skywalker is not good, but what I mean is like the way the characters acted and the way the characters themselves were written in the sequels, yeah. in my opinion, I think Josh agrees, but maybe not. No, it was on a much better level than Attack of the Clones. So it's just, if, it literally comes down to the dialogue being so like technical and formulaic in, yeah. in these if first two. I mean, it, picture, it's still a bit there in Revenge of the Sith, but it's less so. But in Attack, I'm just saying, like, if you could take your, take right now, everyone listening, take your favorite director and your favorite writer and send them back in time to direct and write for Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, this probably would have worked really well. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is the love story in this is very Shakespearean in its Romeo and Juliet vibe. Like you know, it's a secret, and there's there's forces that kind of don't want them together. But um, but it's also interesting because I mean we mentioned in the first episode, but this is where you start to see Palpatine moving the pieces together. I mean, think about it. Like she thinks Count Dooku is trying to assassinate her. Turns out she's she's right, pretty much. But um, but who's Count Dooku's master? It's Palpatine. Palpatine wants this all this assassination shit to happen, knowing she'll probably survive. If she doesn't, he'll find something else to work. But she survives, and just as that's happening, they're talking about how she needs kind of a bodyguard, and then he suggests Obi-Wan. He's not going to suggest Anakin, because he's an apprentice. He's a Padawan. But he suggests Obi-Wan, knowing that, that Anakin's with him, and then they're like, that's... That, that can work. He just arrived back from his last mission. And then, boom, scene of them coming up the elevator with a horrible dialogue. And he just he moves those pieces together, knowing what, what drama is going to come from it. Because then they go off on their adventure. And then they have this whole solo thing where they get all nice and close. And they probably shouldn't be, you know, but they are. And it's just fascinating. There is one part I have to pull this from. And I have to quote this because it's one of my favorite parts. I never picked up on this. I'm gonna try to read this just to, just to entertain you guys, and I'm gonna I'm gonna impersonate horrible Anakin voice dialogue. It's when they're at the picnic, okay? They're at the picnic, and he's like, "I don't think this system works." And she says, "How would you have it work?" He says, "We need a system where the politicians sit down and discuss the problems, agree what's in the best interests of all the people, and then do it." She goes on to say, "That's exactly what we should do. The troubles that people don't always agree. In fact, they hardly ever do." He says, "Then they should be made to." She's like, "By whom?" Who's going to make them? He says, I don't know. Someone. She says, you? He says, of course not me. She says, but someone. He, and he's like, someone wise. And then she's like, that sounds an awful lot like a dictatorship to me. And then as this mischievous grin spreads, uh, spreads across his face, he's like, well, if it works. And boy, does that not sound an awful lot like what the Empire was? Did that? Does that not it sound is. an awful lot I mean, like how they ran things? Palpatine I mean, was a dictator. Yeah, it's such an interesting foreshadowing. I think you know what's to come, and and you well, that's you the get thing. those moments. That's Go the ahead. thing is like as far as like George having George Lucas having an idea for this whole story and how things got to the point they did. He did that pretty darn well. Like even now, like. Even now, as somebody who loves the the sequel, when I say I love the sequels, I'm usually more referring to the first two. I do like a lot of Red Skywalker, but you know, mostly you know, there's a lot of problems with that. But anyways, you one know, day, Brian, you won't even have to put an asterisk next to that. Can't to wait. You kids got to grow up and tell everyone how great Force Awakens was, or Last Jedi was your favorite movie. Anyways, we'll be um, leaving but, Rise of Skywalker out of it. But I get, I get people. Um, yeah, right. Well. Rise of Skywalker is the only movie that feels like it lacks integrity to me. Like it feels like it's 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 made by. I still love it, but yeah, I, 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 I love it in, because it's Star Wars. But like it, it feels like it's made by how do we appease fans and 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 make things 
appeal to audiences more, whereas like the other films felt more natural. But anyways, um, so when you get like today, when you have like sequel haters who are like, oh man, the, you know, the Star Wars for me is one through six. Despite me not liking that mentality, because I'm like, you know, you guys, you can like what you like, but like you can't rewrite history. Fact is, seven, eight, nine happened, they're, they're canon, whatever. But I can say, even now as a sequel fan, one through six, story wise, is it flows very well. It works very well together. There's some problems, but ultimately, like, oh, I agree. those six films tell, tell a great story that George wanted to tell, and they really work. And then. You know, of course, in my opinion, seven and eight worked pretty well, and then you know, nine makes a mistake. But like, I'm just so when I when people say that, I get why they say that because I'm just like, wow, one through six really does kind of work really well. Um, it's just, it's just George's ability to bring it to life with his his particular directing or writing skills yeah. was lacking. You well, just you can see, like, you don't notice it as much in Phantom Menace, but you notice it more in this, and then a, a, to a lesser extent in Revenge. Just how much he was like both trying to like tell a Star Wars story, but then also like push tech, you know. So he kind of had that agenda going on in the background of it, and it hurts the integrity of the movie. You keep bringing that word up, and I'm like, you know, that is very fitting. But um, but you know, you're right too. Like you look at the just the plot. That plot is among the best, if not, I think the best in the Star Wars saga. Like just. I always say this to Brian all the time, but you have Detective Obi-Wan going on this galaxy-spanning mission. He's investigating. He's tracking down leads. He's getting in fights. Like, the first time we get to see a Jedi fist fight with Jango Fett on Kamino, it's just, that's such an awesome scene, you know? And uh, it's even cooler now when I was watching it. I'm just thinking, like, that, you know, like, he's a foundling. He's a foundling. Like, all that shit from uh, Mandalorian Season 2. It's just awesome. But, um... You have him doing all his stuff, and then you have this love story that, even though it doesn't go well, it's still, it's still the 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 biggest attempt George probably tried to make it romance. Um, he just needed a, li- a little help. So if we're if we're diving into positives, like the whole Obi Wan with with Jango Fett stuff, yeah. uh, that's really good. You know, that's it that's really good, good stuff. And then and then some of the I would say, even though it's it's at the bottom of my list for lightsaber duels, like the the, the ending with with Dooku uh, and Obi-Wan and Yoda, Yoda okay. getting to actually, you know, it was a hype moment when Yoda pulled out that lightsaber. I mean, that's that's one of the good moments of the film. And what kind of sucks is like the very end of the film starts to show you, you know, I think Yoda's like, you know, begun the Clone Wars have. It's like okay, but <laughs> we don't get we don't get to see it. We don't get to see it. We can see it. We literally see it begin, and the movie's over. Like so, unless you oh, watch yeah. the series, the animated series, you don't get much of actual Clone War action. You know. It's called I mean, Attack of the Clones, but what's that? Oh, oh, you're just saying in the movies. yeah. In yeah. the films. Yeah, I got you. No, that's true, because you literally have the start of it at the end of Attack, and then in the beginning of Revenge, you're seeing the beginning of the end of it. So, yeah, and it literally like, ends okay, the well, moment. This, this is such a huge thing. Like, it ends at the end of the movie, essentially. So, like, Which, spe- thank God they gave it its own animated series, because it deserved it. You know? It did. It did, and it enhances those movies a lot. Uh, I... <laughs> That duel, man, I don't like it. I guess that's the probably the biggest negative. I guess I'm I'm, I'm coming to uh, realization wise is it does not. They tried to make it so cool, but once again, it's like I want to like Anakin in this movie, but then when Obi Wan's like, "We'll do it together," and he's like, "No, I'm taking him on now," and then he runs at him, and An- Obi Wan's like, "You fucking Ouija." <laughs> And then Dooku hits him with the shout out to to fucking Ouija. Yeah. Uh, Dooku hits him with the lightning. He goes flying, and then Obi Wan duels him just so he can get he can basically toss his lightsaber to Anakin. And then you have the first time on screen, you know George is like, okay, we did the double bladed, 
Now let's do, let's have two lightsabers, you know? Let's have some dual wield. And he wields it. And look, I love Christopher Lee. We love him as Sauron. We love him as Count Dooku. But it is so obvious it's not him dueling Anakin. And you can see that in the CGI on his face. And then they do this thing where they go to like these close-up shots of them just waving the lightsaber. So it's all in black. It's all in dark. And then you just see the red and blue hues just kind of smacking across their faces. And it's just, it's kind of short and underwhelming. And then by the time it gets to Yoda, that's when it's like, your jaw drops. And you're like, oh shit, there's more to this. Thank God. But also like, what? And it blows my mind every time because I used to try to imagine I used to when I was a kid and we just had the originals I used to try to imagine Palpatine yeah. oh, okay. fighting with the lightsaber like what his lightsaber would look like what he would fight like and then same with Yoda what his would look like and how he would fight and it was just amazing to I mean we get Palpatine later in Revenge but it was amazing at this point in time to see Yoda to see that fully realized you know I think everyone really loved it I think I think that won at the movie awards. I think it won like best action scene, even though I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying it deserved it, yeah. but I think it was such a wow factor. No, it was just a cool moment to see to see Yoda actually, because because they, in my opinion, they they handled Yoda well in that you know. So when you first saw him in Empire, you're like, okay, he's a little old green guy that I yeah. can't picture as a Jedi. Well, then I like how they did him in the prequels that you know. He still acts like a little old green guy and walks around with a cane. But I, I don't know if this is canon or not, Josh. But tell me, I always assumed he does need the cane, but when he fights, he uses the force to fix that issue. There's maybe a canonical reason out I there. Know. I, I just, don't know of me, it, but I honestly like, have assumed. I don't think the, same the cane's thing. an act because everyone knows how powerful he is already. So I'm just like, I think he actually needs the cane, but he just uses the ability of the force. I think to you're make right, though. I think you're right, Brian, because I mean, like, he, after he has that little duel with Dooku, he looks exhausted. They both do. And he puts the cane back. He picks the cane yeah. back up. You know? Yeah, he's like, shit. And he just made him like a badass because, like, dude, this dude's old. He's tiny. He's got a freaking cane, but he he, he brings it, and Dooku's yeah, like, he's well, not. He's not really in his prime anymore at this point, if you think about it. No, he's at the it. end I mean, of What his we life, know man. of the High Republic era, he's, he's there, and he's, like, doing stuff. But this is, he but is... When, Going by his lifespan, he's about to die in the Clone Wars because yeah. if because they they die around nine hundred something. Well, he is like eight hundred and seventy or something. Like he's, he's, about he's somewhere to die. around like forty-ish years old. Somewhere, you know, more or less around that from dying. It's just crazy to think about. So you're seeing this old man channel the Force. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. it's an amazing moment. I I love that moment so much. Uh, what do you think of Padme in this movie as a character, just in general? Um, I the moments when she's actually like engaging in action like um in the arena and when she falls off the yeah you, the helicopter Bro. or not the helicopter you know whatever the, the flying copter type thing yeah. when she falls off of that and you know all, all of her like when she's i like when she's imitating leia is how i see it when she's a strong-willed woman when she's just in that dainty, I'm Anakin's love interest phase. I don't really care for. That's fair, and that's. Def- she's also like she. Obviously, she's not the same as Leia, but like even in Phantom Menace, you kind of get the vibe that she's headstrong like Leia, and the fact that she has a decoy and she's going out on this mission with Qui Gon when she really shouldn't be because it's she's not very smart. stubborn. Yeah, yeah, and it's then, like the and then, scene when when they're uh, when they get the transmission that Obi Wan is like pretty much something happened to him, and this is after Anakin's mom dies, and then she's like. Well, Aren't I'm you going to go after him? And he's like, 
uh, no, we got orders to stay. I mean, I, I can't like, but I, you know, she's like, well, I'm going after him. So I guess you'll just have to follow me. You know? Yeah. You know, I mean, and then it would kind of suck is even though I like her in Revenge of the Sith, she, she's pretty much stuck in the, you know, Anakin romance phase that entire film. Right. She never has a moment. No, you're right. This is really her, I think, standout moment. The moment she, they're in the arena though, and she jumps off that damn pillar and lands on that beast that Anakin's on. I do not understand how any vagina could survive that impact. She just lands on it, and it doesn't crush anything. And she, uh, it's like well, Star Wars. I, I told that vagina Star Wars. You know what's so funny? Padme is, is force sensitive. <laughs> that force sensitive of JJ. When when that when they are fighting, they're all dueling. We need to get to this actually because it's a cool moment. But it's my favorite part of the experience of watching it with Dad. Is they have that moment earlier in the movie where they talk about aggressive negotiations and all that stuff. And he's like, he looks over at her in the midst of a duel, and he's like, you call this a diplomatic solution? And she's like, no, I call this aggressive negotiations. And my dad, in the midst of all the silence of us just watching the movie, my dad just goes, comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good one. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, to roll it back a bit, man, how amazing was it to kind of see that like Clone War um, reveal? Brian, I don't know if you know this. Um, so you know how they mentioned Sifo-Dyas placed the order for the clones like 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. There's a book called Dooku Lost, and it goes into like Dooku's kind of upbringing. <laughs> yeah. I had a Dooku Lost once. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Dooku one. Um, uh. It goes into the kind of his upbringing, but he used to get to see his friendship. He was like best buds with Sifo-Dyas. And after a point in time, sifo starts having these, like, visions so much that it's, like, starting to drive him mad of this war, you know? And he tries to talk to the Jedi, like, counsel, like, hey, we need to we need to create an army for this. We need to be, we need to prepare for this. And for them, they're like, your visions, just because they feel real, don't always make it real, that kind of thing. So he then goes and makes it in secret. And the Sith find out, they kill him. And Order 66, which was originally supposed to be a failsafe, so in case any bad dudes got a got a hold of that, they wouldn't. The Order 66 was would be what sort of like reverted them to being good. The Sith were like, we're gonna use that and make it to be what reverts them to bad. Oh man, do I love that kind of shit! It's very it just, neat. Yeah, Order 66 yeah. is a really cool concept. So. It is. It is, and I, I love when it gets to Camino because it's just fascinating to see like. I, you don't like Je- Dexter Jester, but I love that dude. Cloners, damn good ones too. Might be the worst character in Star Wars. Wow, I am so appalled right now. Anyway, <laughs> well, do, what, do Camino, of, what do you think? What do you think of Jango getting like beheaded by Mace? I feel like for Jango to be like, yeah, for Jango being like this awesome specimen they used to make clones, it's like, oh well, man, he got beheaded pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, it's a cool moment, but like. Did he need to be killed off so quick? The prequels did this it weird thing. It was just thing. to get Boba in the picture, I feel like. Yeah. Just to get I mean, Boba an origin. This will take us in a bit broader conversation, but like the prequels did this thing where they introduced so many villains, and then they just killed them off so fast. Like You have Maul in one, you have Jango in two, and then you have Grievous in three. And they just, they all, they're there for a couple scenes, and then they, they sort of serve their purpose and die. And in the originals... Boy, it was like they had very few villains, but those villains were there the entire time. I don't know which is better, you know, objectively. I mean, because it's, well, it's probably the latter. It's probably the way the originals did it. I would say the originals, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, actually, this is a question for me, Josh. So, 
after Dooku dies, you know, going by the rule of two, is there so is there a time period then when Palpatine's number two is is Grievous, right? Is that, oh no, he never. It was never Grievous. It was never Grievous. No, Grievous so, wasn't so, even Force sensitive. Okay, so well, yeah, I knew that, but so so for a moment, then did Palpatine not have a number two for a little while? I mean, technically, yeah. I don't even think canonically he had Dooku right like immediately after uh, Maul. Like I think it just took him a little bit of time, but I think I think it more st- the idea the rule of tool the rule of tool I'm almost about to go into the rule of tool time, but uh, the rule of two <laughs> is I think more an idea than it is an actual like something to be taken literally, you know. So like Grievous was just a droid general in the old comics. He was someone uh, I, I think of a Kalish. I think I might be mixing it up, but. Um, he was just a, a brave warrior species, um, and Dooku like had him on the ship, like basically saying, "Hey, we're going to recruit you, or we want to like talk to you." And then the ship got quote unquote attacked, which was their planning. He gets all he's on this like the brink of death, and then they basically repair him, turn him into a droid, and in, in, in that sense, make him feel like we just did you a big favor, we saved your life. Please help us. And he's like, "Wow, I'm so grateful. Let me work for you guys." And in a lot of ways. When you're watching, we'll get into it with Revenge of the Sith more, but it's another great example of Palpatine moving the pieces because in the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, he's like, when when Obi-Wan has got that like sort of ledge crushed on him and they're trying to leave and Anakin's going to help him up and Palpatine's like, leave him or we'll never make it. He For him, that's like, he's, he's using that moment to get Dooku out of the equation, to get Anakin further into the dark side, and to get Obi-Wan out of the picture. Mm-hmm. But then Anakin's like, his fate will be the same as ours. Picks him up, carries him, they rescue him. But then later on, he takes this grievous guy and says, you know, go to uh, Utapau system, blah, blah, blah. You know, and soon I'm going to have a new apprentice. And then you have Obi-Wan come there. They, they, they somehow get the location of this droid army. And I think in Palpatine's mindset, he wanted... that. That for him was the chance for Grievous to kill to basically take out Obi-Wan and it didn't go it didn't go that way. So then we get to where we get to in Revenge. But going back to Attack, uh I don't know man. It's weird too because I love Christopher Lee, but man, it's hard to buy Dooku as a villain sometimes for me. Does that make sense to you? I mean he just didn't have he didn't have a lot of development. He's not there that long. No. See, I think my I think my you know my, my big problem with like Attack of the Clones is that there's no when I start that movie there's no point I'm waiting to get to there's no point I'm dying to see you know I'm just it's it's I'm either not liking it or I'm liking it enough to get by where you know where every every single Star Wars movie except Attack of the Clones has a moment I can't wait to see. What is yours for Rise of Skywalker then? Since the, those two are like bottom barrel for you, uh, I would say well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the is the Kylo Harrison Ford Han scene. I Man, think it's brilliant. I think hey it's brilliant. Kid. I actually think that scene is a ten in a movie. Oh, dude, I love already. that moment. That's a that's a scene that's a ten in a movie that's nowhere near a ten. Yeah. Um, no, other no. than that, other than that, and Rise of Skywalker. Um, Sure the thing that sucks is some of the stuff that's cool to watch in Rise of Skywalker is stuff that I hate. You know, like give me one example. Well, like all the stuff on Exegol is cool, but I think lore wise, Exegol just was a bad decision. But I love it's enjoyable to watch it all. Um, that's true. The stuff with like C three PO and Babu Frick's fun. You know, <laughs> hey! Kajimi, yeah, Kajimi <laughs> and, and and stuff with Zori Bliss. Like that stuff's fun. Also, I love I love the fight through the Force. 
in, in Rise of Skywalker. Oh yeah. So there's there's moments of Rise of Skywalker that I'm I'm in, I can't wait to see. I'm I'm excited to watch it. There's nothing like that for me in Attack of the Clones. But Attack of the Clones is so much more respectful to the universe than Rise of Skywalker. It's so tough because on those two trilogies, by comparison, you have like, and I say this as someone who loves Attack. With the prequels, you have. Well, I'm trying to. I'm going to try to look at this objectively. You have a, a somewhat fun opening, and then you have it. Kind of takes a step back. It goes, it goes backwards, you know, in terms of the fun fun level, and then it gets just really. It's really bad, and then you go up substantially with revenge. Mm-hmm. The sequels, I think, for most people, Force Awakens just kicks things off with a nice bang, and then you get to Last Jedi, and then people get a little like split down the middle, and then you get to like Rise of Skywalker, and everyone's like. I hate it. And it's just this weird, like, comfort. What's even worse for people, because there, there are a decent amount of people out there who, for them, it was Force Awakens is awesome. Last Jedi is even better. Holy crap. Yes. And then Rise of Skywalker is worse than the franchise. Way down. So, because I, I, I'm getting to the point, Josh, where I was going to tell you this the other day. Sure. My favorite Star Wars film is Force Awakens, but I can see myself in years' time saying it's Last Jedi. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Just I mean, because, you used to yeah. be... You used to say your favorite was A New Hope, and then yeah, you, know, you came around to Force Awakens. Well, yeah, well, uh, well, I think A New Hope was what I said was my favorite before we got the Disney films. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you still said it briefly after for a time, but I think it was just you processing. Yeah. Well, when we when we left the theater, I think what so this is what me and Josh do. Like when we left the theater for Force Awakens, Josh asked. I remember Josh asked a question like, "Okay, obviously it's too early to make any real judgments, but if you had to make a judgment now, where do you think Force Awakens lies?" And I think. I don't know. I actually don't remember what you said, Josh, but I remember what me and Justin said. I said Force Awakens was the fourth best film after Return of the Jedi at that time. And Justin said it was the third best after New Hope and Empire. I don't know what you, I don't know what you I said. I can't remember where it was for me, but I loved it. I mean, I really there was the part of me that came out of it like feeling a bit disappointed because I had all these expectations and I just couldn't meet it, but I was like able to quickly diminish that and just focus on what was there. And then get excited about, you know, hearing Luke speak. I was going to ask you, Josh, like, if you're just being objective, if I asked you what are the three best Star Wars films, would you you just say the original trilogy? If you're being objective? Mm -mm. No? Mm -mm. Okay. What would you say? I think uh, Empire, Last Jedi, and then, oh, man, probably Revenge. I think Revenge. Revenge? I think one from each trilogy because, yeah, I mean, you have, if we start with the originals, you have Empire Strikes Back, which takes the story of what brought everyone into the universe and opens it up. And it does so in a very compelling way that has a bit of a darker tone, but it's incredibly satisfying at the same time getting to see Luke uh, learn more about the Force. And you have... I don't typically like when the parties kind of split up in movies after they've come together in the previous, but this one just does it so well, and it never... No scenes drag. The Bespin stuff with, like, Lando is really fun... The Luke training stuff is really fun. And then as they sort of try to come back full circle and he has that duel with Vader, it's just amazing because like Luke at first seems like he's whooping his ass and then things, the tables get turned and Vader's like, I'm just toying with you, dude. And all that stuff happens. It ends on this cliffhanger. You know, the empire literally struck back and now you're like, where are they going to go from here? It just, it did everything it needed to do. The last Jedi is brilliant because it tells a much more there's the Luke Skywalker as much as I love it there's the Luke Skywalker you want to see in a movie because you watch a movie for escapism you want to see him be the hero of heroes and you want to see him as this 
further realized vision of what we got to experience in Return of the Jedi. But in reality, it's like life doesn't always go that way. And that's the, the, the approach they go with with that, Luke. And it is still very compelling. I think even people who don't like that Luke in that movie will find those scenes compelling. Even if they have a hard time admitting it, they can't tear away from the screen when they're watching it. And just to see how they take the whole thing of a sort of emperor, you know, in Snoke, and they flip it on its head, and the dude's dead. And then suddenly you're left thinking, where the hell can they go from here? And Ray's parentage was a complete flip, too. Yeah. It's like they leave you wondering, like, it's just got so much mystery to it, even though it's got its flaws, Empire's got its flaws. Last Jedi does so much. The acting is so damn good. It's so damn good. And we get our first look at, like, well, our second look, but we get a... We get more of a flashback and more of an idea. I love the flashbacks in the sequel trilogy because they kind of give me this vision of what you know might have happened between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens in that 30-year gap. It's just nice to see like what Luke was up to and stuff like that. And it's heartbreaking, right? It's a, it's, it's a fun movie, but it's all over the place. And I think that's why I've really come around to loving it more. You know, because I went in with all these expectations when I take them out and I throw them in the trash and I watch the movie as it is, it's quite compelling. And then you get to Revenge of the Sith and Revenge of the Sith. Just I think Brian said it best. Uh, I don't know if this was. Oh, you know, it was recorded on one of the uh, Alex episodes. Shout out to Alex. Brian said, OK, he was like, I watched Revenge of the Sith the other day. I said, what do you think? And Brian's like, I'm watching the first half and I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty fun. And then I get to the second half when Anakin starts to go to the dark side. And I'm like, okay, this is a really good movie. And that's the best way I can summarize it. Yeah, because the the, fir- the first half-ish seems like they're just doing it. They're just do- they're doing what Attack of the Clones tried to do, but they're doing it better. Sure, And then the fair. second half, you're like, okay, this is just better than everything we've seen in the previous <laughs> period. It's amazing and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it was, I mean, it's... So how did you arrive at that opinion about Last Jedi, though, Josh? Because the thing is, so everybody I talk to that hates The Last Jedi, they not only do they hate it personally, but they also think it's one of the worst films in the Star Wars in the Star Wars series. But you're somebody who really despised it when it came out, but now you're saying it's one of the best in the trilogy, or one of the best. Subjectively, it's one of my least favorites. But objectively, but objectively, I think it's one of the best. That's why I can't stand when people say. You, like objective stuff just doesn't work it's all from your opinion it's like no i can recognize the clear difference here don't give me that yeah. shit yeah uh where's the change for me like i how, mean how do you how do you reconcile something you don't like that much as being one of the best in the series like because it, it doesn't just because it doesn't fit what i want it to be what i envisioned this or that being doesn't make it bad that's my own perception and that's my own bias getting in the way you know what i mean like the story they told with Luke was damn compelling. You kind of put the idea in my head a while back, but you said this was like a year or two ago. You were like, as you were still kind of reconciling with the last Jedi for yourself, you were like, dude, every time I get to those Luke scenes, I can't turn away. You're like, I cannot look away. I'm always like, those are the scenes I want to get to the most in that movie. And as you're saying that, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know what? I am the same way. I remember actually really liking that stuff. The only thing I didn't like was that I didn't get to see him actually like swing his lightsaber and duel, and then he died. But I thought everything up to that point, I was actually really enjoying. And then the parts that I didn't, which is what I just said, was because of my own expectations. I didn't think Luke was going to die in that movie. 
when I see scenes, when I see like still images of like Luke standing in the doorway or like the entrance of the tree, and he's like, "It's time for the Jedi to end," or or uh, that shot of Ray saying like, um, "There's something in me that's awake, and I need help." Or, or like all those scenes are like you know the ones where they're up at the top of the mountain or whatever in Octu and 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 Luke's like um, you know he's staring off like he's almost crying he's almost tearing up he's staring off he's like you know I failed because I was the legendary Luke Skywalker and you can almost hear in his voice he's about to cry as he says it and like all these scenes are just so beautiful to me and it's so compelling I'm on That's the edge of my seat. I think it just it, it takes you have the idea of a Luke you want to see an evolution this more mature version of what we got in Return of the Jedi. And I, that's what I wanted. But then you he's have... Not, he's so different. far from the farm boy who was naive. Hey, yeah. You know? So you have this more realistic version of how life isn't linear. And you have this character who goes through these trials and tribulations. And he's going through some really bad ones. And it's got him in a bad place. And you know what? On the, the reverse of that, that's why I came around to really liking Anakin. It was only just recently... Thanks to Brian that I helped, he helped me realize that Anakin was my favorite character. But when I think about Anakin, I don't watch Phantom Menace and think, this Anakin is my favorite Star Wars character. It's revenge. It's just the, that revenge era Anakin like that you get in the Clone Wars. If we got revenge Anakin in Attack of the Clones, things would have been a little different. Because yeah, he, it's the hair, it's the persona, and everything. There's a tiny simple. bit of cringe from Anakin and Revenge, but comparatively to Tiger Clones, not that's much. Fair. No, 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 that's definitely fair. I realized that more the last time I saw that. We'll get into that on the next one. But, uh, dude, what was... I remember watching uh, Attack and getting to where you see Watto, and there's this moment when like Watto... That. Yeah, where Watto realizes it's Anakin. He's like, Annie? Like... He, he does this thing with his eyes, and I'm like, even though this is CG, like, I'm buying into it. Every time I watch it, I laugh out loud because he's like, oh, your mother, uh, I sold her. <laughs> like, yeah, it's you know, fucked like, up. Like, your mom, she's a cheap commodity. It's like, he makes it sound like Anakin's mom was like a piece of aluminum from the scrapyard. Like, damn, I mean, that's dude. pretty much how slaves were to them out there in Tatooine. Exactly. Like, so, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, unfortunately. Uh, but but, he, uh, he's like, hey, would you want to help me with some disputes I'm having? And he's like, no, 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 I don't give a shit about you, Waddle. Where's like, my I'm mom? here for my mother. Yeah. No, I like <laughs> when he went back and visited Waddle. I think yeah, that's the dude. kind of thing that I would have pictured um, wanting in the movie, but they didn't actually do. But they did it. Like, oh, we get to see we get to see grown up Anakin yeah, back to Waddle. Okay. I was gonna say, like, I always, always kind of. I mean, there's no reason to have him in Revenge of the Sith, but I, I don't think there's been a like canonical story about what became of Waddle. Like, I'm just assuming at this point he. Grows I really like Waddle. I don't know why. I just. I, I do too. I, I think when I met you, I didn't care about Waddle, but by now in 2021, I'm like. That's a character from the prequels I like. I like yeah. I like Watto. I mean, yeah, it's just some, something about him, and it was good to go back to Tatooine. I liked getting to see uh, Clay Lars, just the Lars, like um, Owen yeah. Lars's dad. Yeah, and I like, just, that was good. That was a good scene. With yeah, Lars, and I mean, yeah. I didn't quite pick up on it as a kid, but like the whole reason he's like handicapped in that sort of like floating wheelchair is because he went out to try to like save Shmi, and and he got hurt super bad, so he can't do it anymore. And it's just, it's kind of cool to you know, see what that's... Oh, go ahead. I go actually, ahead. you know, you, you laughed about it earlier when I said it, but, like, the whole, like, you know, Anakin, he killed all the... He's like, I killed them all, I killed the women and the children, too. Here's the, the context of when you said Here, that. Here's the thing. Like, he went to a Tusken Raider camp, and his mom was there, tortured, and died. It doesn't bother me at all 
that Anakin killed all these Tusken Raiders. It makes sense to me in the, in the universe that he would be angry at... The Tusken Raiders are already portrayed as, as villainous in the movies anyways. It makes sense to me that he would kill them all in a fit of anger because they tortured and killed his mom. The problem is his delivery when he comes back undersells the whole moment because it's cringy and he's just like, I killed them all and the women and children too. And then instead of Padme being really concerned and backing away from him, she's like... Ah, I love you. Well, <laughs> you know? I, no, I agree with you. I just, I just think there's a little more intricacy to it. Although, but I like 100% agree with you. You do have that moment. How can anyone really blame him for that? Like, if you take the person you love the most, who brings you so much joy in your life, if and I you think of them being I kill them all. Yeah, and plus, I mean, I think it's a fair implication that she, you know, there might have been some other stuff going on with Shmi. Unfortunately, like you don't. It's kind of implied, but like she's still there alive. It's just and they're bad people. It makes sense. He yeah. And and then when he goes back, the acting does kind of undersell it. The dialogue is there. But I think the reason why Padme turns around to nurture him is because it plays on that dynamic of this is someone who is troubled. Like, the whole chosen one thing, he's got all the weight of the world on his shoulders in a lot of ways. And she doesn't like, she's probably scared shitless that he just did all that stuff. But since she didn't see it, it's easier to deal with in plus two. He knows... She knows that he did it because of his mom, you know, and, yeah. and she probably can't. She can probably. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like it if she like if that in the story she just didn't want anything to do with him anymore. After I'd be like, oh, that's kind of shitty. Like the Tuscan yeah. Raiders and they killed his mom. Well, I know what you mean right? though. It does seem weird that she doesn't ever have a moment of like recoil, but I think it's just because of empathy. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But it is, it is weird. The, the one thing that bugs me the most in the movie is like there's this whole like little subplot of like. Anakin constantly talking about how Obi-Wan's holding him back and shit, and he's jealous of his power. They never, like, show that being a thing. Like they, the, no, because the they just respect each other in revenge. Yeah. There's just, like, that doesn't come to play, you know? And it's just, it's like the gaping, it's a gaping hole in that movie to me when I watch it. It's like, okay, when for us as the viewer is there ever a, a moment where we're able to narratively, like, get that impression. It's not there, I don't think. I just never... I never see Obi-Wan in any way where he's jealous. I just see a condescending nature. That's it. If you could, if you could rip one scene out of the movie... I, obviously, I know you well enough, Josh, that you want it all there, obviously. I do. Um, but if you had to rip one out of the movie, which one would you choose? Like, what scene of the film would you remove? Just to, like, do away with it. It's unnecessary. To make, to make the film have a higher Rotten Tomato score, which, which scene would you rip out? Oh man, that scene in the elevator where him and Obi Wan are talking. Really? Okay. I cannot. It's so bad. It's so. I'd rip out the C three PO CGI scene. Probably. Oh, totally fair. <laughs> yeah. Totally fair. I don't mind it, but look, I, I get it. I mean, I don't mind it, but I'm just like, this looks like a literal video game, and it's yeah. Play. And let's talk about how like before he gets when they're right in the factory and they're in that doorway like where there's no stairs, so that I mean, if you try to step out, you're gonna fall down. R2 literally bumps into him purposefully and knocks his ass down. Like, you're annoying. I want Keep you to Keep in die. mind, from R2's perspective, he can't see beyond C-3PO's ass. So, like, he cannot see what's below him. Yeah. The motherfucker just bumps into him and says, get out of my way. I want to show everyone my jetpack. Like, <laughs> it, he fucking punches him potentially to his death. Yeah. It's just so crazy to me. It's but, crazy how much, like, and I know we're going to save most of this for next episode, but it's crazy about, you know... By the time George Lucas arrives at Revenge of the Sith, he's learned. It's like George Lucas. You really so see much him. Himself. Like, yeah, he really comes into his own again by that. Yeah, because Revenge of the Sith is such a high. And it's, I, I actually get the, the the argument for Phantom Menace being the best of the three. I get that. I, I see it in a lot of ways. But I think. Oh, really? I think. 
Well, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before, and you, you've said it. We've talked. Well, no, I'm, I've been debating that personally. That's why I'm like, well, like interested to hear. Phantom story. Menace for me, Phantom Menace, the the filmmaking sensibilities of that film are by far the highest quality. You know, it seems like he was really crafting a film. I, I, I don't know the behind the scenes as well. I have watched it before, but like, it feels like he's on location more. It feels like he's using sure. practical effects more. It feels like he's trying oh, to tap into his original trilogy self a little bit more. Um, but I think objectively, at the same time, Revenge of the Sith is the one that really delivers. It fires on all cylinders the most. It really del- there, There's no scene, despite, you know, Despite watching the Red Letter Media review for, for Revenge of the Sith, there's not a single scene in Revenge of the Sith I hate watching. There's not one. Well, I think the most important reason for that, the biggest contributing factor, dude, is like that movie did exactly what it needed to do and so much more. Like it had – when you get to the, the idea of the prequels, the main reason you want to see that story being told in those three movies is because you want to see how Anakin became Darth Vader. And there was long rumored – like it was long pretty much foretold within the lore – among fans that like those two had a battle over lava like over just some lava that was all we kind of knew and then seeing that that actually became a thing that was fully realized that was the movie when the prequel trilogy started that was the one movie you wanted to really get to to see because that was the one that was really going to take whatever came from that prequels all, all those and then married it mm-hmm. with the originals you know yeah, there's, there's no like is in between. There, there's there's scenes I want to skip and I, I I'm the kind of person who can't skip scenes. If I watch a movie, I gotta watch it all. But there's scenes I want to skip in Phantom. There's scenes I want to skip in Attack. There's not a single scene in in Revenge of the Sith that I want to skip. Well, is there anything that really? I, I know you said it's there's nothing that really like you're looking forward to getting to when you watch Attack of the Clones. But is there anything that's kind of like that is kind of fun in the lore sense for you in terms of just uh, the story everything the on um not Camino Geonosis. Geonosis, everything. Like the, in the Jedi bat. That that's the part where I turn my head and focus the most. Is I'm okay. Like, okay, I want to hear about because it. it's it's such a cool, unique concept. It's like here's this place that's off the star charts where some crazy ass shit's going down. Whoa, clone armies being built by the father of Boba Fett is the specimen, and, and then and then there's this master Sifo-Dyas from ten years ago that started this, and nobody knows who he is. Like that's some that's some interesting shit. It is like, weird. I, if the whole film You're was about Geonosis, yeah. damn, that would have been something. I mean, I don't know how you would have done that, but like, that's just cool. And then the whole time, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, the clone army I ordered. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, impressed. I, <laughs> I like that you phrase it like that. He does do that, doesn't he? He's really he, like, he's like, he's just playing along into the whole it. time trying to figure it out. He's like, yep, I'm here. You guys are doing great. Can I, can I see the, yeah, show yeah, me behind the, the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going how I plan, and in his head he's going like, "Oh shit, I can't wait to report this to the council. It's gonna be some, it's gonna be some, said it better. This gonna be some evening drama like they've never seen." He's like, "Man, I'm about to. There is about to be a bomb dropped on the Jedi Council, and I can't wait because I get to be the one that tells them." <laughs> like, if 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 uh, Obi Wan wasn't already a master, then Obi Wan would call up Yoda to be like, "Okay, bro, here's the deal. I got some real good shit to tell you, but I ain't gonna tell you unless I get master." Yeah, you give him master. I think he was actually Jedi Knight in that movie, but I can't recall for sure. It doesn't matter. Master. It doesn't matter. He's he Jedi Master did, at least in Revenge. Did he grant? Did they grant him Knight at the end of Phantom? Is that how that happened? I think so. I thought they granted him Master. Yeah, because he did talk. Day. They talked about how he was ready. He's like, for all right, I got some cool shit. We never see the trials. Anakin gets the same talk in the second movie, but whatever. Yeah, dude. What do you think of young Boba Fett in that movie? What was that like seeing a young Boba Fett? You know, it's. I'll be honest. It's one of those things where I'm retroactive on. When I saw it, I was like. Some annoying kid that's not a particular interesting character or actor, and I don't I don't really care. Shout but out to in Daniel re- Logan, love him. In, in retrospect, 
because of the Clone Wars and because of um, further building in Mandalorian, yeah. I, I like him. Uh, did you finish Clone Wars? I can't remember. No, I'm still I'm midway in season four. I just okay. I, I just other things happen. I understand. It's a long show. It's actually a long show. Yeah, I enjoyed but, uh, it. I just yeah. So. I like Boba Fett. Uh, it was weird. I like I like Boba Fett stuff in Clone Wars. It, it it expands on the character from Attack of the Clones well with him like trying to kill Mace Windu, get revenge on his father. Yeah. And, oh my God, we haven't even mentioned the seismic charges. Yeah. <sighs> that are just so well. fantastic in that in that yeah. chase scene. And uh, I actually like the Zam Wessel chase. Now that I think about it, I know you said you didn't like that too much. I understand. Is that again? What are you talking about? That is the um, where they're chasing the, the bounty hunter in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I really don't like that. Okay, you'll understand this. The reason I don't like it so much is the I hate the aesthetic. I hate it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's. Oh no. man. Okay. To it's me, like it looks Star Wars cyberpunk. And Blade I mean, it looks like it looks like cyberpunk done wrong to me. That's just my take. Okay. You know, it just I it doesn't. Like I picture Blade Runner and how god tier that is, and I and I picture the what they try to do in Attack of the Clones, and I'm like, it doesn't work for me at all. It looks like it's like the Play Doh version. Well, I, I was gonna say, I think George went for like a mix of like Blade Runner with uh, almost like I don't know, like the fifties, a lot of like almost like a Back to the Future vibe to me because yeah. it has this. It didn't seem like something was mixed in. there. You see a lot of the vehicles, and they kind of have this like Art Deco design, almost like very. I don't. I don't know. It just has this like '50s vibe in the way things are designed, but yet it has all this neon lighting and everything to sort of like enhance it and complement it. But yeah. that's fair. I, I mean, I get that completely. But where does where does Attack of the Clones stack for you objectively on this on at a ten, and where does it stack for you subjectively? This is one of those few scenarios where it's the same for me, objective and subjective. Okay. It's it's two out of. Five stars. Two out of five stars out of because ten. When I watch it? because because I, I I objectively I, I, I feel like it's a below average film objectively, okay. and then subjectively when I watch it I have a below average experience. So I just think it's. Two. I go back and forth with it. I think there's times I watch it and I'm like, ah, this is not as good as I remember. And then other times I watch it and I'm like, this is kind of a dark horse of Star Wars. Like it's, it's got a lot on the surf. It's got a lot that's there that's actually quite good and compelling. But then it has so much shit on the surface piled up you kind of have to dig to find it and you shouldn't have to do that in a movie yeah but so. now to give you some context josh if you ask me the same question for rise of skywalker my my subjective <laughs> like my subjective like entertainment enjoyment of rise of skywalker subjectively i'm up at that 3.54 range of having a real good time yeah. watching it but then when you ask me about um objective the most I could ever see me stretching is 2.5, but I might be at the 2 again. Like I'm interested to, to get to that for me because of that reason. Because of I, I objectively speaking... The best speaking, thing that Rise of Skywalker ever did was make Attack of the Clones not look so bad, right? <laughs> like, Because <laughs> like, it used to be everyone was pretty much unanimously... Well, well done. That was weird, the, yes. Because when, yeah. but when people first... There's a weird thing about Star Wars fans. When that movie first came out, people were like, Phantom Menace, or like original trilogy, up here... Attack of the Clones, just a little bit down below. Phantom Menace, somewhere off far in the distance. People loved Attack of the Clones. They were like, man, this is the kind of Star Wars I wanted, where they travel and they go across the stars. And I'm like, and when I heard that shit, I was like, isn't that what they did in the first movie? Come on. But then people turned, and the general consensus is, that is the worst movie, at least until Rise of Skywalker came in. But, objectively for me, I probably, I wanted to give it a 2.5 so bad, but I couldn't tell if that .5 was biased, so I stuck with the 2 out of 5 on that. It is a good well, movie, but it also isn't. 
Do I can't remember? Do you view do you your do you view your skill the same way as me as me as that two point five means average or no? Mm, kind of like yes it, and no. If it does, then like, do you think Attack of the Clones is an average film? Two point five is like average, I suppose, and then three is where it starts to tip the scale into being okay. This is like this could have been a lot more, but this is better than average. Yeah. So where, where were we at? What did you just ask me? Well, I was saying like you know when you think about it, you know when you think of Attack of the Clones. Oh, do, do I think, think it's of an it average, average film? Because I think it's a slightly below average. Uh, man, yeah, I would say it's average. Because I mean, I've seen plenty of films that have good acting and have a shitty story, but then you buy into it because the acting's so good. The acting is what brings you into the world. When you believe the characters in what they're saying and how they're reacting, then you buy into everything else around it. Star Wars Attack of the Clones unfortunately does the opposite, where it has a wonderful plot, if not one of the best. You know, and it just is surrounded by go ahead one, go ahead actually one of the biggest one of the biggest sins of and I'm not trying to be off the topic of, I it's it's on topic of Attack of Clones even though it doesn't sound like it but like I think the biggest sin that Rise of Skywalker commits like if I had to pick one thing the biggest sin it commits that gives it the opportunity to be seen as worse than Attack of the Clones is Rise of Skywalker is the only film in all of Star Wars where I feel like the real world is informing what's happening like I feel like real That's world the drama. World we live in now. Yeah, real world drama, real world influences, real world decisions. That's how I feel about the sequel trilogy. Okay, I, I and I I get that. I do get that. I don't agree in a sense, but I get it. Um, but with Rise of Skywalker, it feels like the film. Okay, so like to, to dive into that further. So I know why you're saying that because Force Awakens was obviously people bitched about the prequels. Let's make a film that feels like the originals. I get that. But when I watch Force Awakens, I believe that the characters in the world believes what's happening. I, I believe that that world is, is happening fair. organically. And I also feel that in Last Jedi. I feel like it's all... The world is happening organically. I believe that it happened. It makes sense that we're here. But when I get to Rise of Skywalker, I'm watching the film and I can feel... The audience, I can feel the fandom informing the decisions that were made, and I've never felt that before. In all nine films, plus Solo and plus Rogue One, I've never watched a film and went like it's like when, like for instance, like when Ray finds out she's a Palpatine and Kylo tells her and everything. It's like the actors are so good; their acting is convincing me that she's a Palpatine. But all the context of the filmmaking. And the world sensibilities of how this the is being pacing delayed. pacing is just so fucking bad, dude. That's always going to be my biggest takeaway from Rise is this pacing. It just killed any, like, flow the movie had going for it. It just, it just feels... Cause, because... The, how do you end the thing, last movie? You, you mentioned the pacing. Point. You mentioned the pacing. The, the pacing... The pacing is... T- while I'm watching the film and trying to, engage, trying to make myself believe I'm in the world of Star Wars, the pacing is telling me in the real world they're trying to account... For Last Jedi by retconning slash putting two films into one. And I feel that in the universe. And it takes are, me out well, of just, the experience. Just out of curiosity, what's the retconning you feel? Um, ooh, like I, I, I stand by that and believe I have real things to say, but you just put me on the spot, so I need to think about it's okay. it. Okay, well, we're going to get um, to that one. Of like, for instance, so I, I wanted to bring about. this up to you, Josh, actually. Yeah. Now... I could be wrong, but I, I think you were wrong, but I could be. I'll admit I, if I'm wrong. Hey, if I'm me, wrong, I'm wrong. I said something to you the other day. I can't remember if it was on recording or not. I said something about how um, Rand Johnson said that oh, yeah, Luke wouldn't stay on the island because of fear. And then yeah. you told me 
that um, Yoda said something about it being because of fear. Does that sound right? Uh, not not verbatim. Like Yoda didn't say that. Oh, okay. Well, may, I took it that way. But the the thing is, the only time Luke ever mentions fear that was kept him there was in Rise. You know, he doesn't mention that in, in Last Jedi, unless you yeah, feel but, like I'm well, wrong. You're right. But I think that's what enhances Last Jedi to me. The perspective being whether I'm wrong or right in that that comes just right after the conversation of that comes right after he catches the last uh, the lightsaber and is like, you know, Jedi weapons deserves more respect. And we see a Luke that has now come back into his own again. And Yoda's whole point in Last Jedi was to say, you know, failure is the greatest lesson. So mm-hmm. where we mess up is the biggest opportunity for the people, uh, the next generation to learn from and become better, you know? So like this doesn't make you a bad teacher. And so for me, you know, my interpretation is that, yeah, it scared the shit out of him when, when he had that moment, like he almost straight up killed, uh, his sister's son. And, and it scares the shit out of him to think that he could succumb to just giving in so much that he'd actually ignite his lightsaber and have it above ready to make the killing blow just to be that far ahead emotionally. And then also just to see the strength that Kylo had when he has that line, I've seen this raw strength once before the moment he sees Ray, um, kind of go right to the dark. It scares the shit out of him because he's seen it before and he's seen what that's done. But it also, it's, it's also hurtful. Like it breaks his heart in a way. Cause it's like whatever kind of hope he might've had in that girl, bam, it's gone because it reminds him. To back up, because to, to, to use the time wisely to back up and answer your question more thoroughly, I've thought about it more now. You said what kind of things retcon it. Sure. I feel like Palpatine is a retcon to Kylo being sent up as the Emperor for the third film. Oh, like the Supreme Leader stuff? He's, he's the Supreme Leader. Like that, Brian Johnson even says that, like, you know, he in the, behind the scenes, he's like, you know, I want to turn it on its head. You know, Kylo fully engages in the dark side. He becomes the supreme leader. And now the guy who takes over, because in the interview, he didn't know who was going to do nine yet. Or maybe he thought it was Trevorrow, but he was like, it was Trevorrow. The, ni- the ninth director, yeah. the ninth director is going to decide where they want to take Kylo from here. So for me, I feel like Palpatine is a retcon to that idea. I feel like um, uh, Ray being a Palpatine is a retcon to her being no one. I feel like. Um, uh, Janna and Zori Bliss are JJ saying I would rather have them than that's the biggest one I agree with is that last one Rose Tico because that you you didn't need to have those new characters in there and honestly by the end of the movie Zori was kind of a a throwaway you know the whole like do you want to go smash and then like she's like no you know that's it was too because Tyron Lando yeah I mean they tried they try to allude to that without concluding it it's just weird. But I will uh, say with we Palpatine... we get in the metal, that takes me out of the movie. Oh, let's not even talk about that. Um, yeah, the whole part with, with Palpatine, I think, is like, it's less... I think I, I think it doesn't have anything to... I could be wrong. I don't take it as having anything to do with retconning. Because retconning would imply that they're trying to fix what they deem a mistake. And I honestly think in this that case... That is how I feel personally. Okay, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to dispute that. I just think from my perspective, it's it's more so... They simply didn't know how the hell to conclude that movie without having some overarching villain. And they thought, how better to do that than to bring Palpatine back so to, to tie all these movies together? 
I think that was honestly what it was. Palpatine was literally just sort of a MacGuffin to tie everything together. He was like, I, he I was the duct that. tape. But I don't think they were necessarily retconning it. But if that, uh, but I think that's a I fair mean, interpretation. What was the, the other thing I you said? said? Retconning is because Rian Johnson said he was, you know, he was making Kylo the supreme leader. That was the plan for. No, he still was a supreme leader in that movie. I know, but I don't buy, it. dude. Yeah, that's just that's just like trying to have your cake and eat it too, in my opinion. You know, it's like oh, no, well, but he's it's still there in the movie. Leader. He was. That, I mean, he what? still was very much the supreme leader in that movie. But the second the movie starts, dude, he's playing second fiddle to Palpatine. I, you can call him supreme leader all you want, but in practice, he wasn't. That, in my opinion, it's okay if you disagree with me. I just, no, I, I disagree. I, but I, yeah. I, that's you totally bring up some good points, though. And I think the whole, I don't know, the Ray is a nobody thing. I can't buy it. I feel like it's so tough because it's like JJ was the one who first introduced these characters, and he's the one that makes the implication. You don't buy that this she is nobody. No, well, no, no, no. I don't buy. I don't buy the idea of it being a retcon because, like, well, I guess to be to go into more detail. I mean, Kylo said in dialogue. Here's the thing. Here's where you're coming. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, his dialogue was on the nose. But to be fair, Ryan retconned it. You have the implication. I don't agree. How don't you agree? It's right there, though. Because he, because he, because there was Ryan in Force Awakens. They literally have moments where it's showing they're alluding to that she's somebody. Like the whole who's the girl? But they're yeah, I agree with that. Okay, but then in the next one, they're like she's no one. You have but the then, implication who's on the, the ship that's leaving when she's left on the planet. All this stuff, all this stuff that seems to apply. She's super powerful, so much so that everyone was saying, "Oh, she's a Mary Sue. She's a Mary Sue." And then you get to Last Jedi, and he's like, "Nah, you're nobody." Is that not retconning? No, I wouldn't say it is, and I never agreed with the Mary Sue argument. Any, well, I don't agree with never, that either, but yeah, no, because all. I will give you that JJ put in moments to set up that she was someone, but it was never established that she was anybody. I don't know, man. I I guess I I, think, I, I, think I have a hard disagree fact, there, though, isn't it? I well, mean, it's you're 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 basically saying something like Palpatine being introduced as this villain that's always sort of been there is like a retcon, but yet having this implication that she's some that raised somebody, and then in the same movie, uh, the next movie, saying that she's nobody. Is not a retcon? Well, well, Rian Johnson said he just took J.J.'s idea and brought him forward naturally. And the idea was that there was an awakening in the Force, and it was someone arising to meet Come on, Skywalker. Though, but you literally have a scene in which they have the implication. The camera cuts away. She touches the lightsaber, and she has this vision, and she feels stuff. Like, I mean, even, even in that vision in Force Awakens, when Kylo is looking at the young version of her and it's all raining and you see the Knights of Ren around him, he's marching toward her. I'm not saying that that was something that he had planned and Ryan dropped the ball with, didn't do anything with, but like that vision is like something that seems to be a part of her memory because it's the only one that interacts with her. But yet you get to Last Jedi and no, you're nobody. They just sold you off for drinking money. Well, I, I see. I'm giving you that the scenes were built, but the answers were never there. That's my thing. Yeah, but the implications there. I mean, I mean, what what is the implication other than she's that someone? she's somebody? But then yeah, the film literally, Rian yeah. says, "No, I'm going to make her nobody." That movie was subverting expectations. But, that doesn't but I think make the it bad. Point of the Last Jedi is that she was somebody. That's the that's the message of the film is that she anybody can wield the Force, and the Force chose her to. She was what awakened in the Force to meet Kylo's dark. Okay. That story contextually on its own is a great story, but it does somewhat contradict what they were trying to imply with the Force Awakens one. I just, I can't not see how anyone could disagree Weird, with that. Weird, because like, I feel like there's a level of, di- of agreement there. Like, 
But I ultimately disagree because, like, JJ set up. This is what I'll say. JJ put those moments in Force Awakens with the intention that she would later be revealed to be attached to a lineage. Is that what you want to hear? Because I, I do, I do. I don't I want do to hear anything. That. I mean, I don't. Well, need no, to I, agree I'm with saying you. I agree with that. If that's what you want, if that's what you're trying to say, I agree with it. I definitely think he there was, was the implication that there was. He was genuinely, yeah. J.J. Abrams was genuinely trying to set up, even if she wasn't a Skywalker or Solo yes. or whatever. I'm not saying anything to yeah. do with them. It's just somebody. Somebody, yeah. I agree with you that he was genuinely putting moments up for her to be attached to a lineage. I, I will give you that, but he didn't decide, and he had no idea who it was. So well, that was the point. Okay, and and you know, I think Alex said this in one of his articles. Talked about it being the mystery box movie. You know, he opens it, but JJ doesn't always like conclude. Yeah, no, he yeah. always just opens and brings the ideas in, and then everyone else runs with it. That's fair, but by that same argument, Ryan Johnson takes it in a completely different direction. If you literally just showed that Ray is like powerful in the Force, but you don't have any like notion of like why, then her them saying she's a nobody, you know keeps that story intact without contradicting what came before but because they have the implications in the first movie that definitely feels like a retcon it feels like Ryan's on retcon and then the most people go along with it because they love that story so well that they can't see with that like outside of that own bias I think it's a great story and it doesn't ruin the experience for me I just me personally when I watched it I never took it as she was literally a nobody I literally took it as Kylo is saying whatever he can because he knows this woman is so emotionally inept and inexperienced in life that he can take advantage of her. And this is the moment to do it. So he uses that to do it. That was yeah, how I, mean, I literally took it. When I came out of the movie and I was like hating on Last Jedi initially, I had no issues with that moment. That moment had nothing to do with it. Because I just took it as what it was. It didn't, it didn't feel like it contradicted it. But by the notion everyone seems to have, that's a retcon. I can't not see that. I, I I don't I mean we can disagree we can disagree to disagree because I don't I don't I'll think that. I don't think there was any retcons in Last Jedi to to Force Awakens personally. Well, fair enough, man. I definitely I, I, I disagree, but yeah. I I think I don't, he it doesn't bother me that you feel differently. Yeah, I think he I I will say that he obviously didn't do what JJ wanted. I agree with that hundred percent. And I don't JJ need him to. You know, I don't need him to. Yeah. I mean, despite what I feel. I'm glad Ryan still tried to do his own thing. I believe in those. You because, know, it, I mean, we need a, I guess what we need is the definition of retcon. Because my thing is, like, in, like, Rise of Skywalker, when when Kylo's like, what I told you was true. You are no one. But your grandparents are not. It's Palpatine. To me, that that is, this, that is the definition of retcon. It's like, I'm taking something I said to you prior, but I'm now reframing it with different information to get a different result. That is what I see as a retcon. Whereas... When it seems that Rey is somebody important in Force Awakens, but then she isn't related to a lineage in the second one, to me that's like a changing of an idea rather than a retcon. But I actually, just for my own sake, because I actually don't know what the definition of retcon is, I'm actually curious. Um, well, you make a good point in that. I mean, it's not something that was confirmed. I mean, to me, the implication that she's somebody is obvious. I agree I didn't with that. Need her that's to be what, somebody. Yeah, intent. I didn't need her to be somebody personally. But it's the fact that that's there. That's where I was left for two years, you know, wondering, yeah. you know. And then Ryan went a completely different way with it. Even if it's not a retcon, I mean, which I think it is, I think we can both agree that it, he at least went in a completely different direction with that. 
and it yeah it i mean obvious. it was obvious that wasn't i mean i just and of course the thing the people me, at the top wanted a lot to allow Rian to do that so i mean he got the most creative freedom than anyone which is crazy to think about but um and do, you, do you know did jj get to read the script of Re- of last Jedi before he saw he saw the movie at all we don't I know don't do know. we the only thing because i knew is that is, what i told you before about how he had he jj had envisioned the luke uh on the hovering yeah yeah hovering but the thing is is like the the last jedi script was more or less complete by the time force awakens released in theaters so like the ideas that are introduced in Last Jedi were there being written alongside Force Awakens. That's you know, in the, so in, in defense of the people who don't like Last Jedi, who aren't assholes, that's why I understand where they're coming from. Because Ryan was like, "I'm just literally going to do whatever I want to do," and he, you know, you can say he's lying, but in okay, but he oh, said that's not what he did. I don't, but that's there though. I mean, like that doesn't make he him said a bad all director. He did was a bad carry person. JJ's plot straight through in a straight line. I don't Which, see that, especially with Finn. Okay, what's that? Especially with Finn, I don't see it. I do, but I, I think it's fair that you that you don't because you had. I love Rose Tico, and I wish she was there more in Rise of Skywalker. She was such a throwaway character, and that it's such a shame. I really do like her in Last Jedi. She's probably my favorite character in that movie, to be honest, the more I watch it. Outside of Luke Skywalker, because I still love Luke. Uh, But her whole... I'm sorry, Finn's whole arc becomes supplemental to that. Like, to her in the sort of, like, lessons she's trying to sort of, like, educate both Finn on and the viewers on. You know? And it's tough. I thought Rose was there to serve Finn. Is that... You don't agree with that? You could be right on that. I think I mean, she was I could, in, I okay, wrong. I, is, I didn't get that vibe though. But go ahead. I don't know what it's called, but there's a there's something I watched. It was like 45 minutes long, where it's Reed and Johnson sitting at the front. It's right after Last Jedi came out, and a bunch of fans got to sit. There's like a hundred people in the room, and they get to ask him questions. And he said what he did with Finn was JJ set up that Finn um, he left the he left the First Order. He defected, yeah. and all he wanted to do was get away from the First Order. And in the entirety of The Force Awakens, all he wants to do is get away from the First Order until something happens to Rey. And then it becomes all he cares about is Rey. He even lies to Han Solo and the entire Resistance by saying he knows how he can help them. And then when they're there, he's like, we'll just use the Force. It's like, that's how the Force works. It's like, he yeah, lied because he says he says to Han, he's like, I'm just here for Rey. I don't care about the Resistance. So then when the film ends, when for, the last time we see... Um, Finn uh, breathing or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. lucid, he's only there for Ray. And then when the film starts, Last Jedi starts, he wakes up and he's like, Ray. And then with his journey with Rose, the entire point of this is what JJ, this is what Rion said. And of course, I, I won't even be offended if if you thought Rion is fitting I think we're both agreeing on this I, more than we realize. If, if Finn, if you thought Rihan or JJ, whoever is lying or fibbing, that's fine. But if you take them at their word, what Rihan says he's doing is he's using this story with Canto Bite and the whole thing with Captain Phasma to, and, and also the, the Battle of Crate where he about sacrifices himself to change him from, he doesn't just care about Ray anymore. He cares about the resistance. He cares yeah. about the movement. No, no, no. By that and notion, so, Brian, you're far more right than I am. But he dropped the whole thing. It did seem like they were setting up Finn to have some kind of force thing, which Rian didn't do anything with. So that's where I, I see well, your point. No, no, no. I, I mean, I would say you're more right than me in this situation because I didn't really get force vibes from Finn in, in Force Awakens. I love that they did it Man, in Rise, yeah. but I didn't really get that. I just thought it was like 
when I watched the original trilogy, I was I always loved the moment when Han uses the lightsaber to slice open the tauntaun. I thought they smell bad from the outside. You That's know, because I'm like, this is a non-Jedi dude using a lightsaber. And then you see Finn do it, and I'm like, oh, shit. And he actually holds his own just briefly for a little bit. But, no, that's a good point, because, I mean, the whole point of his development... thats I guess, that, like I said, I think we're agreeing more than we realize. The way you phrase it, you're totally right. But from my point of view, it's like his story takes the back seat, so then Rose comes in and kind of takes center stage kind of over him. He kind of, as a character, sort of puts her over, makes her look good, in a sense, so that she can teach him this lesson. And I don't think anything's wrong with that. Like, uh, there's no male or female type of sexist thing going on there. I don't, I don't take anything. I actually that. agree with uh, Finn taking a Finn story taking a backseat. I don't agree that Rose takes center, but I do. Well, agree with it's Finn's good story. how it happens, though. I still love the Canto Bite stuff, and it is important because that does that does give him a motivation outside of just Ray. It makes him care about the resistance. That's important, and I love that Rose brings that out of him. Some girl who's just seemingly a mechanic that's been there this whole time is able to bring that out of him. And Reed said in the behind the scenes disagree. he made Rose because his goal with Rose was to make a character that people never imagined seeing in Star Wars. A, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember his words, but basically what he says is, you know, she's a minority who's dressed in an unattractive manner. Like, you know, because Killer yeah, Reed Tran, she's beautiful. Love, yeah. She's beautiful, but he says in the behind the scenes he literally dressed her to look goofy because... Yeah. The goal for her character was to just pick some average person you never expect to get to have a place in the story, mm-hmm. have one. But Josh, I would say what we're talking, I looked this up, it says, so the dictionary for retcon is, in a film or television series, a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on previously described events, typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot shift or account for an inconsistency. So to me... That literally describes the scene with Kylo saying that Ray's a Palpatine. I don't know about the whole... When we're talking about like Palpatine being introduced and how I think that's a retcon and you don't, I don't think it describes that as much. Well, actually, actually, come to think of it, yeah, because he's like, I'm every voice you ever heard in your head. It's like, well, no, I'm stretching it a bit there, maybe. I don't know. That's well, not I'll, say this. More, I'll say this. I'll say this. Like, yeah. I, I'd lo- even though, I, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from with Palpatine in a sense. I do still like that in that moment they're at least kind of finally answering like the whole like speak to me again grandfather you know show me the ways of the dark side like you finally have context and to know it was Palpatine because it just wouldn't have made sense for it to be Anakin at all I I should clarify too Josh with all my problems with Rise of Skywalker I actually am cool with Palpatine coming back oh I know I know that it's just that it's mostly just comes down to a lot of other things well I understand I mean hey look the whole the dead speak I mean yeah, it's like it's actually like. Doesn't Revenge of the Sith start with war? War. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually not as bad as Dead Speak. But if you, know, if you, if you're not a kid, and you're not someone who doesn't, who doesn't like you're maybe you're an older person who doesn't surf the web, and you watch those movies, I don't think you're gonna. It's gonna feel like any kind of notion, any inkling toward a retcon, you know. But I what, think the Palpatine. Yeah, but I think if you're my, my if you're dad someone. Actually, Oh, he felt that? Well, I was just going to say, because, I mean, it is weird. It is weird to go from how Last Jedi ends, and there's nothing that's giving you any kind of Palpatine vibes that he could be out there still. And then immediately, Rise of Skywalker, the closing chapter is like, the dead speak. You know, a mysterious message by the Emperor Palpatine has been heard across the galaxy, and then somehow... Palpatine returned. You know, it's like that one scene in what was it, Destiny 2's campaign, where like 
uh, Kate says something like, I don't have time to explain what I don't have time to explain. Yeah. It's like they don't really um, – they don't answer it. It's just sort of there. And they're like, well, we're, this is happening. And then the pacing is so fast. You're like oh, – at the as the viewer, you're like, oh, I guess – oh, okay. We're going with this. Okay. So I don't – I don't think you're wrong. See, the only I guess the only one I could I'd have to double down on, I suppose, is the the Ray nobody versus somebody. And I don't, for what it's worth, I don't mind that she's a nobody. And I it's actually just, think our disagreement's still mostly in agreement because we both agree that Force Awakens, JJ was clearly setting putting moments in the film to say that she was from a lineage. Yeah. It's just you know I guess we just define it differently you know. That's fair. But, no, no, definitely. Uh, guys, but we did my not dad get my, so sidetracked. Go ahead, we, real quick. We did get super sidetracked, but you know what, guys? That's that's a sacred icon way. It's gonna happen a lot probably as we get on. And we're gonna do this again, and we're gonna end up talking about a new hope, and then we'll spend half the thing talking about Force Awakens or something. <laughs> yeah, you know? But anyways, um, I was gonna say my dad when we finished right when we finished right Skywalker, my dad was like, "Was Palpatine planned from the beginning?" And my dad is the most mainstream viewer ever. He never well, asked those kind of questions. Yeah, but my dad was like, "Corrected on that." It's like, you know, was he yeah. playing in the beginning? I'm like, no, actually, Dad, he wasn't. <laughs> oh, interesting. So, it's going to be fun but, to watch these again because... Um, and for the record, my dad loves Rise of Skywalker, thinks it was a perfect ending of the saga, and his least favorite of the three. He actually liked Last Jedi, but it's his least favorite of the three in the season. Okay. Huh. So, interesting. I his favorite to see it again hope. myself. Or not A New Hope, Force other. Awakens. See? It's interchangeable. <laughs> but, uh, but, Josh, to end this conversation, Attack of the Clones, we both love it because it's Star Wars. Josh likes it more than me. You know what, guys? We both give it a two. Yeah, I, look, I objectively give it that, but out of ten in terms of fun factor, uh, I'm gonna give it like a six or a seven. I have a blast watching this movie. Um, it does slog a lot, but damn, do I love just how the story builds and how it concludes and kicks off the Clone Wars. It is so cool to see. When I watch this movie, I always think back to the first time I saw it, and I may immediately picture that scene with Obi Wan and A New Hope saying, you know, talking about the Clone Wars, and I'm like, this is what it looks like. You know, it, it, it just changed everything. So then when I would go and watch, even before Revenge, A New Hope, and he says that line, I'm now able to picture it. And, you know, he was like, the, the, the line where he's like, he was the greatest star pilot in the galaxy and he was a good friend. That comes in Revenge of the Sith. But like when I see Attack of the Clones, I can picture what the Clone Wars look like. And just look, even though the execution was kind of piss poor, damn, was it fun just getting to see all these Jedi fighting these battle droids. And then you see the super battle droids and the clone troopers come in and you're just like, Holy shit. Also, the reveal that Dooku was uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's master. I mean, that's awesome. Shout out to Chewie for the bark. Something I thought was awesome in Attack of Clones we didn't mention is the hologram of the Death Star. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, dude. The movie does a lot of stuff that's fun. I have a blast watching it. It is not... It's... The best way I can put it, it reminds me of A New Hope in its pacing. Phantom Menace is very much like a fun movie. And then Attack of Clones... Well, there's another thing to say... The, the pacing of Attack of the Clones is good. Yeah, I don't think it's horrible. I, I, I think it's I think, I think, I think it does have moments of yeah. slog, though, to be fair. Like, it does... Compared to the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, Rise of Skywalker's like, we don't want any like, of that. That, that. Rise of Skywalker is what you show students in a film class of how not to pace a film. I can't believe... Yeah, dude, we're going to get to that. I'm telling you guys, we when we go out on these movies, our last movie is going to be just this sort of like... Trying to grieve with the end of the saga yeah. being that movie, we at love least it. We can connect, at least but. we can connect on that, Josh, because like for me being like this huge Force Awakens, Last Jedi fan, and you being like, I like those movies, but they're not at my top. We both can come together on Rise of Skywalker, just being mutually a disappointing thing, you know? Yeah. And that, that's how the whole Star Wars fan base is. I mean, there's some people who really like it's up there for them, but not many. If I go on, dude, if I go on Letterboxd and I search 
Star Wars and I look for lists, like all user lists of Star Wars, I've done this for fun. I've scrolled on it for like two, 300 lists deep and I couldn't find a single one that Rise of Skywalker was at the top. Not one. Now, there's a lot of Last Jedi and Force Awakens. See, this is what's going to be fun too is like but not one. you guys are listening to us do the prequel coverage and then we'll get into the, solo, the two solo movies um, and then we'll go into the originals and we'll conclude with the sequels. Now, Prequels are my favorite trilogy. Sequels are Brian's. But then in the originals, for us, that's usually kind of like that secondary round. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we will like really converge there. And uh, I mean, and maybe. Justin was around, his favorite's the original. So we yeah. cover all three trilogies. <laughs> yeah. but, and we both like the solo movies too. So I mean, it's going to be fun to, to, to go through these and see where the conversations take us because this took you us into a lot of Last Jedi. You know talk. what sucks, dude? Like, I have to admit, and nobody's asking me to admit, but I have to admit, like, if somebody said, like, Considering all avenues of filmmaking, whether it be cinematography, story, lore, everything, consistency, which trilogy is the weakest, despite my favorite being sequel, I would choose sequel, and here's why. Original trilogy, pretty much, for the more, it's not perfect, but original trilogy pretty much lands good filmmaking, good lore, good story, good acting. It pretty much lands all of it. The prequels, it makes a lot of mistakes with acting, writing, in my opinion, some of the cinematography, but... The prequels have the best lore of the entire nine films. Yeah. So it's like originals kind of just jack of all trades. Oh, hey. And then prequels, best lore. And then you get to sequels and it's like, okay, sequels don't have the best lore. They they aren't they don't have the best consistency. Oh man. They they might have arguably the best um acting, yeah. I would say maybe, but as a whole, like it's still the weakest. Unfortunately, I still, man, I feel bad that you have to even say that stuff, dude. The sequel trilogy is so it's so much fun. Yeah, I, but, he, but even you know I what? feel that what? way. No, I, like, I just think of the that movie. Those movies are so much fun. I have a blast watching those. And you know what? Even though there's the complaint that you know you had the deliver expectations, subvert expectations, and then try to wrap everything up, like, dude. I did miss the original kind of vibe. I love the prequels. That's probably my favorite era of Star Wars, but I still miss the original vibe. And damn, was it cool to get to Force Awakens and then by extension, you know, Last Jedi and, and Rise and just see like, see more of that, live more in that world, but in a more like modern way. And that's just so much fun to me. I love the aesthetics, even though it's a bit of recycled. It makes more sense why it's recycled than the prequels would be. The whole point of the prequels is to show how they got to the point of the originals. Yeah. The sequels are more like, this is everything that's come after yeah. that. So and, that's know, fun. And put a cap on it all, my my favorite thing in all of Star Wars is Mandalorian. I like it more than the original whoa, whoa, trilogy. Whoa, whoa. I like it more than the original trilogy. I like it more than the sequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy. I mean, and the thing that's great about Mandalorian is it kind of encompasses all three, and that's my favorite. So yeah, they do. Agree I think them. everyone's on the same. I, I I don't know many people who didn't like Mandalorian. I actually the podcast I mentioned before that I listened to Technical Alpha. They they both thought season one was garbage, which I couldn't. It was oh. shocking to me. But uh, they like season two. I only so. think episode five or six, the one with the dude on the. Yeah, yeah, the dude who dissed Star Wars after he got a role in the show. Yeah, like, you mm. idiot. But anyways, Josh, we need to wrap this up. That went extra long, and we talked a lot about not attacking. Yeah, the we phone. debated a heck of a lot somehow, and I, I think. But it people, makes it interesting. People it does make it interesting. This is what I know from listening to podcasts. People who listen to this episode, they're going to detect our disagreement, and it's going to be so intriguing to them. It's going to be a great conversation. <laughs> I know so I know. Anyways, I think guys, most will probably agree with you more, though. But I mean, it's it's fun to have these types of things. Um, but anyways, guys, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of. 
the sacred icon. I just did the literally from episode one. I just did the. Yeah. Be gone with Thank it. you for for joining us on another episode of the Sacred Icon Podcast, Oddball, where we talk all things Halo, except this time around we don't. I'm giving like I'm giving the intro spiel again for some reason. We're but anyway, closing out. It's like poetry. Yeah. It rhymes. It's like poetry rhymes. But anyways, guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this. I like and that. as always, keep it sacred. <laughs>